Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting-edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Welcome to Christianity and Wokeness, how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it. Please welcome our host, Katie Gorka, director of the Heritage Foundation Center for Civil Society and the American Dialogue. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to be speaking today with theologian Owen Strand. He's provost of Grace Bible Theological Seminary and senior fellow at the Family Research Council. Importantly, he's also the author of a new book called Christianity and Wokeness, how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it. Congratulations, by the way, on the terrific ratings you've been getting and all the five-star reviews. People seem to be loving the book. Thank so, you, Katie. I, I wanna start with this. I just wanna really jump right into it because your book is terrific. Um, the first book that I read on this topic, and I think it was really, you know, probably the most important of the books on this topic was Vody Balkum's book, Fault Lines, which you reference several times throughout your book. Um, and I love his book. He, he's such a great storyteller. He tells his own personal story, which is so compelling. And he talks about the conflict over the social justice movement as it arises in the church. But what I found so valuable about your book, and especially um, our ability to fight the problem, is that you do a very deep dive. So, you know, it's important to remember that as we were fighting the Cold War against the Soviet Union, um, an earlier enemy of the United States, it was so important documents that really unpacked why the Soviet Union was our enemy. It wasn't enough just to say this is bad for the United States, right? We had some really key documents, um, George Kennan's The Long Telegram, where he really, for the first time, sort of unpacked why the Soviet Union is so opposed to the United States and cannot be reconciled with the United States. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I see your book as sort of the long telegram of the fight against critical race theory. Uh, you do just an extraordinary job. So the, one of the parts of your book that, that impressed me the most was your 14-point critique of wokeness. And I wonder if we could just dive right into that. Um, you divide your points between sort of the theological versus the cultural. I wonder if you would just, you know, start right in with, with what are some of the reasons why wokeness is so opposed to the Christian faith? Yeah, I really appreciate that and your, your prelude there. That's very kind. Fundamentally, what we need to understand is that wokeness, as I say in this chapter three of, of my book, Christianity and Wokeness, Wokeness uh, encourages us to not value image bearers as who they are. So basically, the Bible starts in Genesis 1, 26 to 28 with every person being made in the image of God. And thus, every person has equal dignity and worth uh, as made in God's image. There's nothing you can do to change that or scratch that out or undo that. But wokeness, I think, I argue argues basically that um, if you have a certain skin color, for example, if you have white skin color today, then really you're 
you're basically a lesser status uh, to people who have a different skin color than you if you're a minority person, for example, in America. And it builds from there to argue that white people, because of systemic racism or what's called structural racism, contribute in a, to, to the structures of sinful society in a way that people of color don't. So there's a second major theological program with wokeness. And wokeness just basically means being awake to the nature of systemic racism or systemic injustice in a society. If you buy wokeness's major claims, Katie, what you end up assuming is that if you are part of the majority power block racially in America, if you are a white person, then you have power and advantage that people of a different skin color don't have. And that makes you complicit in the systemic racism of this society read from a theological prism that means basically boiling it down that you are a sinner even if you've never done something intentionally racist your whiteness means you participate in systemic racism and that indicts you for that that sin and that means uh in turn that you have more to repent of than you might have thought you might have thought as a christian you turn from your sin you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've been raised to life with Jesus Christ. But actually, according to wokeness, uh, once you learn about the nature of systemic racism as a white person, now you have a whole lot more sin that you were participating in structurally to repent of. So wokeness really reworks uh, the nature of the Christian gospel and even the Christian vision of the human being. Well, and you made an interesting point. You you had a quote from Ibram Kendi, who, as you said, is considered sort of the, the leader of, of the woke movement, um, where he talks about in his conception in the world of critical race theory, where salvation comes from. And it comes from a very different place from a Christian sense of salvation. It absolutely does. For Kendi, salvation is a kind of secular liberation theology. So Kendi is not formally uh, a kind of Christian liberation theologian, but the salvation that he sees is the overcoming of whiteness in a society, basically. So Kendi and others who are woke, who uh, promote social justice, who uh, advance critical race theory in different ways, have basically bought into a kind of secular gospel. And the, the problem in this secular gospel is not human sin, uh, which all of us bear by nature. The problem is basically whiteness. It, it's a racial uh, sin problem. It's a racial original sin. And the way to overcome it, as we have both said quickly, is to make society just. And the way you make society just is by tracing uh, where whiteness is causing different disparities in statistical categories. And you then try to write the scales wherever you can find them, which basically just ends up meaning you deplatform whiteness, but even that's too generic and abstract. You need to you need to actually yank white people back uh, from from power and influence in society, and you need to platform people of color uh, without regard to uh, what they say or what they stand for. Society has been rigged as a power game, and it needs to be undone. And if you can accomplish that, then you are uh, accomplishing really the kind of secular liberation that Kendi and other theorists are after. Look, 
I think we have such a dilemma, right? We all know people that put the Black Lives Matter sign up in their yard. Uh, they're not, I don't think they're evil. Um, I, I think for the most part, they're probably well-intentioned. So why has it been so easy for this insidious ideology to, to, to creep in? Why do more people not see the evil behind it? And, and I think you can say the same thing about our churches. I mean, you, I thought you did a terrific job in the book. Um, I loved the section where you uh, highlighted some of the books and, and some of the events that sort of where these, where you really saw these ideas start to creep into the church. Again, I don't think for the most part that the people that, that supported those ideas or supported those speakers, I don't think they were necessarily evil. So why is CRT making such inroads into the church? Yeah, that's a great question, Katie. I, I think there's a real range of folks out there, and I talk about this in Christianity and Wokeness. I think there are the unwoke first category, uh, that would be apparent who they are. That would be you and me and many, many others in America. Many are waking up, in fact, to the dangers of, of wokeness and, and opposing it. Uh, and so we're thankful for that. And then I think there are a lot of people who are just plain confused. And I, I, a lot of the folks that you were just mentioning would fall into that category, that second category. They don't really know what critical race theory is. Uh, they haven't read a book They've passed the race section at Barnes & Noble, which is now so prominently displayed with all these works of critical race theory and wokeness. And, 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 and they have a vague sense that there's something here that goes deeper than what they've previously heard about race and racism. But again, they don't really know what is in the mix. And then there's a third group that is what I call the engaged. And these are people who are posting the black square on Instagram uh, they, they are putting the BLM sign in their yard. And, and these are people who are dipping their toes. And, and even a little further than that, they're, they're, they're behind this cause. They're behind Black Lives Matter. They're joining up with Antifa, at least formally. They're, they're allowing this ideology, whether it's in the church or the culture, to spread. The fourth group is what I call the committed. And these are those who are absolutely proselytizing for everyone to go woke. Um, I, I am trying in, in my book, Christianity and Wokeness, to help all groups and, and to, uh, to strengthen, especially the unwoke, and then to call people out of confusion. Uh, the first reality we, we have to tackle in this whole matter is to simply define what we're facing. Um, certainly the media doesn't help us because it, it confuses what critical race theory is, at the same time that some members of the media uh, or the commentariat tell us CRT doesn't even exist. Uh, I, I like to uh, screenshot when I see that said on CNN or elsewhere, uh, the, the cover of a book called Critical Race Theory, colon, an introduction by Delgado and Stefanchich. So to people who say this doesn't exist, it's like there are texts out there that are literally titled Critical Race Theory. So I think it exists. Um, and then I especially want to try to call those who are in that third and fourth category, whether just engaged to some degree or full-on woke committed out of this ideology. The, the Bible teaches us that uh, in Colossians 2.8, ideologies try to take people captive. You mentioned the Cold War and communism and socialism, Marxism at root. That's a terrible, godless ideology that has wreaked havoc on our world. It's, it's history's most successful bad idea. It's caused tens of millions of deaths. And this is a new form of Marxism in our time. It's really race Marxism. And so we have to guard people against it wherever they're coming from and engaging it. Yeah, but I think you, you raise a great point. Um, you know, 
communism and socialism in, in the early days and even today were attractive to a lot of people because they thought, well, what's what's wrong with a more equitable world, right? And I think it's only when you really do the two things, when you do the deep dive to really understand what the ideology is calling for. But the second thing is when you see the consequences of the ideology. And I think that's mm. been what's sort of largely missing from the conversation on critical race theory, and particularly the relationship between critical race theory and Christianity. And that's why I think your book is so incredibly important. And, and I know it's tough, you know, most people don't want to spend their days reading theology or political philosophy, but I, I think it's so important that we have people today who are willing to stand up for the church, who are willing to stand up for the American idea and really understand why CRT is so opposed to those two things. And I think the only way they're gonna understand it is if they read something like your book and, and do that deeper dive. Yeah, there's usually a flashpoint, right? Where these matters cease to be just these ideological battles that the left and the right are having as usual in society. And then it crystallizes and becomes personal for you. And that's really the key moment in this whole conversation, whether uh, woke ideology is trying to infiltrate the church or whether it's infiltrating a, a public school, let's say, some level of culture and society that you're involved with. Um, what we saw happen in Virginia, for example, in, in recent months, several months back, as numerous well-born parents, just basically highbrow parents, just sort of revolted <laughs> against CRT, people of varying backgrounds and, and skin colors, what happened is their kids had learned CRT tenets. They had learned that the white kids in the class, in a good number of instances, were fundamentally oppressors of the kids of color. That's what the kids were told. And that caused uh, a kind of prairie fire in Virginia in a really helpful way. What happened for me was I heard about a prominent uh, Minnesota church in which a pastor had indicted white people for being complicit in white supremacy and had even called from the pulpit for white people to repent of their complicity in white supremacy. And I heard about this <clears throat> from, for example, a family that had adopted, <clears throat> excuse me, numerous children from uh, a totally different background and skin color. So here's this sweet family, right? Um, black and white together, so to speak. And these parents, this father and mother, who have scraped and scrapped to pay for adoption, which is in some cases not cheap, out of love, gospel-driven love for, for image bearers just like them. And they're now being told they're racists, not because of anything they have done. Uh, it, it, racism is a terrible sin. Partiality is, is wicked. They're being told they're, they're racist simply because of the color of their skin. Um, Katie, when I heard about that, <laughs> That was my flashpoint. That's when I knew this isn't just some ping pong match in D.C. or across America, and this doesn't really matter as a societal issue. This is going to tear apart the Church of Jesus Christ, and this is going to destroy American and Western civilization, as indeed is happening all around us in this very hour. Well, I'm glad you brought up the analogy to the schools because I was thinking about this as well. Um, you know, we've seen such an uproar over CRT coming into the schools. And so in the lead up to this uh, 
conversation, I posted on my Facebook page. Um, I'd love to hear from anybody who's seeing wokeness in their churches. Now, normally when I talk about wokeness in the schools, I'll get tens or hundreds of people responding and they'll tell me examples or how they're standing up to it. And I got, I got virtually no response, which really surprised hmm. me. And I'm wondering, is it that it's just not that prevalent in the church or that people aren't yet fully awake to it? Great question. Here's what I think is the case. It's coming in in its soft form. Christians uh, and, and those who profess to be Christians uh, who allow and let false godless ideologies into the church rarely let the hard form of the ideology in. They usually mainstream the soft form. So that's what is happening in a good number of evangelical churches. You're, you're not having most pastors who are going woke to one degree or another stand up and, uh, you know, declare themselves a race, mar race Marxist from the pulpit on that spot. In many cases, they're having conversations, hard conversations about race. They're trying to gently educate white people that they have white privilege and that America is systemically racist and that we, we can help all these problems simply by being more honest and thoughtful and white people not talking, but white people listening. And so there's, there's lots of forms of this kind of encroachment, slow, quiet, poisonous encroachment into the church. But that's a very common one. Um, wokeness is coming in, as I say not with its banners unfurled, but it's coming in in a soft, friendly form. And of course, as a, as a sound Christian, a, a believer trying to love Christ according to the word of God, by the power of the spirit, of course we hate sin. Of course we hate partiality. Of course we recognize, as I make clear in Christianity and Wokeness, my book, that America has a very complex legacy in terms of slavery and Jim Crow and, and racial matters. Um, I don't personally believe that the Bible funds the concept of race. We're one human race, Acts 17, 26. But it is nonetheless true that in America, this idea has been in our bloodstream, that there are different races. And so we've got a lot to sort out. And, and so we should uh, try to be a thoughtful Christian. We should try to learn from others of different backgrounds than us. I make very clear in Christianity and wokeness, that that's no bad thing. The gospel actually causes us to love diversity and, and, and love those who have nothing in common with us but Jesus Christ, and even to value people as image bearers, even if they're not a Christian. But that is all very distinct, Katie, from uh, standing up in a pulpit, as is happening over and over again, and again, indicting white people for being complicit in white supremacy. Um, that's the form that wokeness is taking to get into the church, and it is no less troubling and ultimately dangerous uh, than the hard form. In fact, it's potentially even more troublesome because it's harder to spot. Well, and I think the flip side as well, so you're talking about the role of the pastors, and I think there's also we can talk about the role of the parishioners, the believers, who are not standing up to it when they see it. And, and one of the lines in your book that really stood out for me was you, you said, a major temptation before all of us today is to manage our social reputation. 
Um, you know, we've really seen in the fight of parents, uh, a lot of people have been unhappy, but it's it's really been a handful of those who are the ones to actually speak out. And, and they know, all of them, you pay a price for speaking out, but I think what's happened with parents is when it touches their children, all, you know, it's, 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 that's it. Like that, that's, that's a line that they're not willing to, to see crossed. Right. And so they, they stand up and they, they rebel. Yes. I worry about people in the church um, being willing to stand up and challenge. How, what about you? Are, do you, do you, are you confident that, that people will, will challenge what they see? Yeah. It, it's tricky, right? Because you're not trying to say if your pastor hangs the wrong color of drapes in the entryway to the sanctuary rebel it's wokeness so you know you're not trying to enfranchise uh godless rebellion in the church here that's that's not what i'm after um but i actually do yes want to try to give people a nudge to listen intently to what their pastor and their elders their their pastors in the church are saying are they recommending <clears throat> Kendi's books? Are they endorsing uh, Robin D'Angelo's white fragility? Um, are they buying into the concept of systemic racism? By the way, there's a lot of talk today about, okay, let's reject CRT. Let's not be woke. But let's recognize that America is systemically racist. What we need to understand is this. Sin can go public Leaders can be corrupt. Societies can make terrible laws. Think of abortion. Think of Roe v. Wade, for example. Uh, what a scourge upon America for decades. And yet, um, we are actually saying something different than Karl Marx was saying when he was talking about systemic inequality and of an economic kind. We're saying that you find sin publicly in definite form. It's not in this sort of invisible, uh, everywhere but nowhere form of systemic racism. It's in discrete laws, actions, policies, deeds, so on and so forth. So to embrace the Marxist concept of systemic racism is really to lose the whole shooting match. People don't understand that, um, but we need to make that clear. And so I am thankful that many Christians, uh, to more pointedly answer your question, your good question, Katie, many Christians are waking up. Life is too short to sit under unsound doctrine. A lot of people have been suffering the last two years uh, in, in this lockdown uh, new, new world order that we find ourselves. This is a real virus. Many of us have been touched by the virus in some form. We won't get into all this. But many people are suffering and are miserable for a variety of reasons today. And that's actually been helpful because if your pastor is no longer teaching you the Bible and if you're being encouraged to sit at home in your pajamas and just go to virtual church, um, you're probably only increasing your misery. And what I want people to hear me say, trying to stand upon the solid rock of the word of God, is it is time to find a new church if this is the case. If you try to talk with your, your pastors, your leaders in your church, and say, we can't embrace wokeness, this is a anti-gospel, it's a threat to to Christianity itself, and they shrug you off, they shake you off, and they pay you little mind. Again, it is time uh, in, a, in a godly way to leave and to place yourself and your family under the ministry of the Word. I like that. 
Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, one of the lines as well that that really resonated for me and I thought that was so powerful um, and it kind of gets at the heart of the issue here. You said a society that opposes racism is achievable. A society that ends all racism is a utopian fiction. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you'd unpack that a little bit. We should oppose um, partiality, which is the biblical term, James 2 and other places, everywhere we find it. So anywhere someone is being mistreated because of really any factor uh, that's not a godly factor, we oppose that as, as Christians. The gospel wakes you up to injustice, true injustice in the world. Um, but what we need to realize is that fundamentally there are a lot of of imposters out there, and they are going to try to teach us that there is injustice uh, where there may not be injustice. And so we need to be those who recognize true injustice and fight it, and then distinguish it from false injustice. Um, Christians care tremendously, for example, about oppression. But anywhere that someone says they are oppressed, we have to investigate that. We have to think through that. Is that actually occurring? And in the case of race Marxism, um, there's a real blurring of the lines here, as we've been talking about, because um, partiality is a real problem uh, now and in past days. Um, and, and so we want to oppose uh, actual partiality and what you could call racism anywhere we find it. But we do so um, knowing that at the same time, people are going to tell us something is an injustice and they have to prove that it's an injustice. You can't just shout injustice into the wind uh, and everybody act accordingly. You have to know, in addition, uh, as I say in the book, the line you're quoting from Christianity and Wokeness, that you're never going to solve this world's problems in full. That is a role that is already occupied. That is the role of King Jesus. King Jesus is going to come back to this world and he is going to set everything in perfect order. No one is going to escape his justice. His justice is going to be full, perfect, and terrible. And so now is the time to get on the side of King Jesus, not by doing good works, not just by saying you're a Christian, uh, not by performing performative righteousness, but by repenting of your sin and trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ for the washing of your sin. But in doing so, even as you become a Christian, even as you're born again, yes, you fight injustice anywhere you find it. Think of William Wilberforce in the 19th century, fighting the slave trade, taking down slavery itself by the grace of God. But you cannot, as a human being, as a creature, eradicate sin. And that is so much, Katie, of how social justice and wokeness is advancing in our society, in particular with young people, with the younger. Am I old enough? I guess I'm old enough now that I say the phrase young people. I just dated myself. But that is especially where wokeness is putting hay in the barn. It's preying on the already existent utopian impulses of the young. And it's telling them, if you just march with Antifa and BLM, if you just put a brick through this window, if you just burn down this business in the cause of justice, then you are on the right side of history and we can vanquish sin and evil from our surroundings. You see it in in the slogans that NBA players and football players now wear on the back of their jersey, you know, end it now and these sorts of things. Let's fight evil anywhere we find it, but we cannot fall prey to utopianism. That is why Marxism is successful over and over again in fresh generations. It never cashes in. It never works out. 
but it freshly promises the rising activist generation that if they buy its ideals, whether applied to economics or culture, tradition or race, as is common today, uh, we will achieve the true social order we're seeking. And we won't. Only Jesus can accomplish that. Well, and I think the other reason that this this ideology is so insidious is is it not only does it sort of prey on on our 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 desire for you know uh, utopian solutions in this world, but it also preys on our desire to see an end to racism. I mean, I can say for myself what what I was raised with was the literature, you know, very powerful literature about what African-Americans have suffered in this country. And, you know, truly, I think the worst thing you can be accused of as a white person is to be called a racist, um, because we have been brought up to have a heart for that suffering and to be colorblind. And I think that one of the most crushing things about uh, this, about CRT and wokeness that you talk about in your book is the fact that CRT is even against colorblindness. Like, I cannot believe that they want to cancel Martin Luther King, but they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ibram X. Kendi, the professor at Boston University who has made millions and millions of dollars with his critiques, including his critiques of capitalism, uh, has has famously said that the most threatening movement in America racially, paraphrasing, is not the alt-right and its desire for a white ethnostate, but the normal American's push for a race-neutral society. And the figure that Kendi is uh, pouring gasoline on as he says that, at least his legacy, is King, is Martin Luther King Jr., Because King is famously the one, as you alluded to a a minute ago, in a general form, who said, I want my children, I pray that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Those are the ideals that that you and I grew up with. And those are, in a common grace sense, beautiful ideals. That's just just a, a kind of common way of unpacking the reality that every human being is made in God's image. And so you shouldn't judge anybody for their skin color, their IQ, their ability to earn a wage, their education level, whatever it may be. That's that's sinful. That's partial. The strangest reality today is that Martin Luther King Jr. is the bad guy, according to critical race theory and woke voices, meaning he's the one who let a whole lot of white people off the hook because all he did was say, don't judge me by the color of my skin. According to woke voices, he didn't tear apart this extreme system that is simultaneously everywhere but completely invisible of white supremacy. And so that's what we have to do. We have to now go well beyond King and we have to tear down block by block white supremacy. The problem that sounds good, right? And if there is actual white supremacy out there, it should be opposed as the vile reality it is. But the problem is. When you ask people how to dismantle white supremacy, it gets incredibly vague. Um, There are some stats that are cited, but stats themselves are not necessarily giving you the the cause or the explanation for the stats. Disparities between racial groups and society could be a sign of partiality. It also definitely could not be. In Christianity Wokeness, I talk, for example, about how Sowell, Thomas Sowell, has showed that 
Just one quick example. Japanese-American households earn a good deal more per capita than Mexican-American households. If you looked at that um, you know, unblushingly, you might think, well, that's evidence that, um, I don't know, Asians have a form of white privilege. People argue that. That's actually a common woke idea. Seoul has dug into the actual body of data, though, and has showed that it's on average because Japanese-American households are much older and thus in their prime earning years than Mexican-American households. Katie, that's just one quick example uh, of how um, there is an easy monocausal vision of the world that is offered to us by wokeness. White supremacy is everywhere. When in reality, the world is far more complicated and textured and less simplistic uh, than that vision. Well, Dr. Strom, thank you so much for writing the book. I think it's an invaluable tool. I encourage everyone to buy the book. I encourage you to leave a review on Amazon. That's really important. That really helps the book and helps the author. And I encourage you all to follow Dr. Strom on social media. You've got a good social media game going. Uh, so I encourage everyone to follow you. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Katie. I I'm thrilled to be on with you and really appreciate your time.